David here. We have season six of the Reality Escape Pod coming up very soon. But in the meantime, we're releasing a few other interesting things on the feed. And today, what we have for you is an episode of the Road to Reality podcast hosted by Kellen Bechtold from Survivor Ghost Island. Kellen has been interviewing former Survivor players about their life in and out of the game. It is much more about the people than it is about Survivor. And in the episode that you are about to listen to, Kellen interviewed the one and only PG Law. PG was a wonderful guest on this show, really opening up about so many things before, during, and after the game. And also our community gets a bit of a shout out. And Kellen is a wonderful open interviewer. And I loved listening to every minute of this nearly two-hour podcast. So it's a deep dive. But if that's what you're looking for, it's a wonderful listen. I hope that you enjoy it. And we will be serving up Season 6 of the Reality Escape Pod to you very, very soon. Welcome to Road to Reality, a limited series where I, Kellen Bechtold, go on a conversational journey with fellow Survivor contestants about their real lives. In this 10-part series, we invite you to listen in on unscripted conversations that, crazy enough, aren't really about playing Survivor, but about being a person who was on Survivor. These are deep dive conversations, not into post-game strategy, but into the lives of contestants before and after Survivor and the experiences that shaped them into who they are today. So sit back, relax, and join me as we take a ride down the road to reality. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Road to Reality, Episode 5 on the 5th of July. And one of our favorites from the 15th season of Survivor China, PG. PG is someone who I have been lucky enough to meet, who I look up to in the Survivor community and the way that she carries herself and the way that she reflects upon her Survivor experience and her life in general, to be frank. During this episode, we talk about how she feels about her more well-rounded edit, how she sees life through rose-colored glasses sometimes and how that serves her well, how she's moved from being a lone wolf to a creator of communities. In the rapid round question, she goes through her five keys of living a happy life, about getting lucky, and being in control of her own life experience. She talks about anger, humor, all of the things, and being more than one note as a woman on Survivor and in this world. I present to you the funny, outgoing, and creative PG. That's my goal for this podcast is that survivors have an experience, something is put out about them. And they feel like it's the actual like whole truth of their life. So um, that's my goal. Oh, that so. is so sweet. And so antithetical to everything that we normally go through in the reality world. I mean, honestly, you know, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones because I have nothing but good memories of yeah. my time on Survivor. I feel like I was faithfully represented, but I know that. I am definitely in the minority <laughs> when it comes to that. Yeah. And actually, 
was one of the quotes I pulled from your um, like catching up with PG that you did right after or during quarantine with Dalton that you said that the show edited you in equal parts vulnerability, arrogance, determination, and thank you to Survivor for not reducing me to a bland stereotype. And kind of the premise in the intro of this podcast is like, we are put on TV, we're shown as one thing. And then a lot of us feel like we weren't shown. So you felt like your edit showed you from all 360 degrees and you felt really good about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're all complex human beings and reality TV in general has a tendency to be extremely reductive. Um, It's easier to turn people into caricatures, right? Um, And it's hard to capture the full experience. And yeah, of course, there's times when it, they're still editing to turn you into something that you're maybe not just like, you know, for example, when um, I was really mad about losing <laughs> a challenge, as you all are when you're ha- hungry and starving. And I think it was the the challenge that like Denise didn't choose to take me, mm-hmm. you know, when you could choose to take someone. And and the thing is, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, mm, you know, uh, and Jeff is like, Peach, you look mad (laughs) and I'm like no Jeff I'm fine because nobody wants to be a sore loser right like and they don't show the 20 minutes of prodding they don't show me sitting there and he you know him saying like we're not going anywhere until you tell me what's on your mind because you don't look like you're okay with this like you're telling Uh. me you know and and they drag it out of you right so of course it it all comes out and you're like well of course I'm pissed blah 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 like you, you know, like a normal human being would feel. Well, for the most part, um, <laughs> if they were starving and cold or hot and all of the and really uncomfortable for a lot of days. <laughs> yeah. So there's editing. You know, there's editing involved there. Did I say those things? Yeah, I did. And to be honest, look, is it accurate? Probably because I was feeling those things. I was just trying to be a civilized human being and not, you know, say it right away, throw a temper tantrum. But it, but it happens. Like, uh, you know. But overall, I. I do like how they represented me. And, you know, when I was auditioning for Survivor, um, at the final audition, you're in a room full of like 30 CBS execs, right? Did you go through mm-hmm. that? And- yes, the, yes. <laughs> but it's, I think, so we've set up what this looks like with Dom. So yes, mm-hmm. you walk into okay. that room and what happens? It's it's extremely intimidating. They're all literally in suits. You are wearing some, I don't know, they were like, wear something sexy, you know, or something cute. Oh, that's what you got. Yeah, I'm sure (laughs) everyone's told. I remember my casting director, like making me send pictures of myself in a few different outfits before I went in. My directions were not to be sexy. I was like wearing these checkered pants and like definitely like a nerdy or kind of lost divorcee vibe but your your instructions were to like look sexy cute (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess I I still remember what I was wearing I had these pair of shorts that I really liked at the time this 2007 and they were like pinstriped like kind of like you know like a business suit but they're shorts they're like short shorts and I'm this little like cropped white top and I'm wearing like heels that are classy but they're like uh clear like they got like clear heels on them so it's a little 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 class little trash you know Uh Uh, business (laughs) business sexy yeah yeah (laughs) and you know they ask you a bunch of 
bizarre questions, right? Because that's mm. the whole point is they're trying to knock you off your game and just to really get a sense of you and how you react, you know, like how you would be out on the island. But, you, you know, they asked me some really weird, crazy stuff. Um, but like, I remember the very last thing I had said to them was, um, you know, and the last question was pretty simple. It was just, why should we cast you? And I said that um, I'm one of those people you will either hate me or you will love me. And either way, they're all going to be talking about it the next day at the water cooler. And that was like the last thing I had said to them. And, you know, like in a way, like I'm not always self-aware, but I knew enough about my personality to know that it is very um, it can be very divisive. And, and, and I saw that actually in the edit. I saw this in the reception afterwards. We don't have as much social media as we did back in 2007, but like the articles that I would come out um, categorically, like all of the journalists were like, I hate this character. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 a woman with a voice. It's, a, it's yeah. really controversial in America, yeah. you know, but they would, but, but they were like, but everyone else I've talked to loves her. They, you know, and so he's like, I just don't get it. But he, you know, and, and that was what I saw a lot where like, or people were like on the fence. They're like, I love her sometimes. Sometimes I hate her. And I'm like, that's, that's okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like that was just as part of your survivor casting and then survivor editing experience? Or can you look to the before times and see that that's how it was also out in the real world? It's a little bit of both. And you know, what's funny is you learn a lot about yourself when you're looking at it from a third party perspective, right? Like it's, this is really a gift that we've been given. I think Survivor for the most part tends to be relatively faithful to representing the characters and how you are out there. Of course, it's not always the case. I felt like it kind of was in mine um, or maybe I just internalized it. Who knows? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I relate to you in this way of like, I feel like it kind of mostly was me and my experience. Um, yeah. And, and so like, you know, one of the things that I had seen somebody say about me when, you know, they analyze your personalities on like online and stuff. And they were like, this is PG's problem is she is like an to quote unquote unlikable underdog. But, you know, th they, they don't know how to edit. Usually underdogs are given, you know, sympathy, uh, sympathy edit, hero kind of edit underdog. And they were like, the thing is, is that with PG's personality, um, when she's in the corner, when she's not feeling great, uh, they're like, she gets angry instead of feeling sorry for herself. And so when she doesn't feel sorry for herself, it's hard to edit her in a way to get the audience to feel sorry for her. Mm. Right. Um, and so it's like, that's why they were confused. We don't know how to edit this person because they're it's an underdog's journey, but not acting in kind of that underdog way. And, and that's, and this is, this is a self problem is I have a hard time feeling sorry for myself, whether for good or bad, it's good in a lot of ways. Um, like, like I've always joked that the anger is what helped me get through survivor. Um, you know, cause if I had stopped and really sat and started feeling sorry for myself, I probably would have quit. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and instead I was so mad. I was so angry and I was like, screw all of you guys. I'm, you know, I'm going to show you, like, I'm going to get to the end. And, and I use that, that fire, that anger to kind of, I don't know, help keep me going, I yeah, guess. Keep going somewhere to channel that as opposed to like, instead of uh, you can laugh or cry, kind of, you can get angry or cry and you're, does it, does it feel like that's what you, 
it sounds like that's what you did on Survivor. Can you think of other ways in your real life where you also channel whatever is maybe not going the way you planned? Do you use anger to energize your action, I guess, outside of the show as well? Um, I would say outside of the show, it is probably not a good reaction. <laughs> and it's, I mean, honestly, sympathy serves a purpose, right? Like it helps bring the community together around you to help you. And in in like the real world, that's kind of what you want. You probably kind of want it on Survivor. I think this has been my greatest downfall is I'm not good at getting people to rally behind me. I'm pretty much I'm better at lone wolfing it, mm-hmm. you know, out there. Um and so I, I don't know. It's I, I I've always kind of like I've mellowed out a lot in my old age, in my dotage. <laughs> I have mellowed out a lot. And I really recognize the value of community and like working with the team and all that. But, you know, when I was I'm saying younger, I was 29 when I went on. It's not that young. Um, <laughs> it, it's but, pretty young, though. I mean, I'm 36. But when I was 29, I was young. <laughs> I know I was like I I felt like a child out there and I'm like the oldest woman on my team (laughs) yeah I I realized that as looking back and it's interesting that you say this idea of you feel like you're more of a lone wolf person because as I prepared for talking with you today almost all of my questions like I'm just can scan through my questions here and literally the word community comes up in like four different ways Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, but that's that's a recent development. It's a it's a recent development. This idea of okay, well, quickly one thing I wanted to say about the this anger um idea and kind of fighting through one of the quotes that you said you received a note from a young man who was who was inspired by how you quote didn't quit to cry or respond with anger and instead just channeled those emotions into winning and you said to think that I might have helped even one person out there realize their own worth that alone is my proudest moment so it I love that you're talking about it as this way that you experienced the game but also it clearly helps people out in the world so I think the story was that kid that may have been experiencing bullying Yes. Oh, my God. You know, I almost forgot about that. I love that you bring that up. Um, yeah, I had gotten a like a fan, a message, you know, maybe a like, direct DM or something mm-hmm. from this young. I think it was like a, maybe a young black kid. He looked like maybe high school or junior high, something like that. And yeah, he wrote me this really long, heartfelt message about how it helped him get through the bullying. Um, and he real, you know, he didn't want to just sit and feel sorry for himself. And, and he was like, if you could do it, like I could do it. And that meant, that meant so much to me to know. It's funny when you're going through these, like, I never thought of myself as like, Oh, I'm a role model. Like I'm, I was always like, I don't know, like crazy wild child, you know, through my, through my whole youth. Um, but yeah, it, it's awesome. You just stay angry. There, there's actually, there's actually a, <laughs> that's actually like, I think the title of a book written by, I think it's like Angry Asian Man or something where, you know, I think this guy, this blogger like tweets about like Asian social justice issues mm-hmm. and something like that. And so it's, it's about kind of like staying angry and using that to fight. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that, uh, 
is it this idea that you are portrayed, I'm using air quotes, and perceived as angry and then use this apart for good as well? But do you think part of it is related to the fact as an Asian American woman that your response was pinned as anger when maybe if it was a man or someone else, it wouldn't have been seen as anger? Is that something you relate to or don't want to talk about as okay? But, you know, it's hard to say. I, I think that generally women that want to take charge are labeled as bitchy. Yes. Uh, you know, the man is labeled as uh, being a leader. That said, I don't, I don't know that <laughs> I necessarily have top leadership skills because probably back then my listening skills weren't great and I think the people that are good leaders are actually very good at listening and making people around them feel heard you know um but I I still think that they do have a tough time portraying women in that way one of the things that I found was interesting um and again this is this is going all the way back 2007 and you read about yourself in some of these articles and some of these you know some of these ways that people would analyze like survivor contestants uh one of them was trying to slot them into like a family style structure right like oh this person is a clearly a daughter you know, somebody who uh, wants to be nurtured. Okay. This person's a mother, right? They're a nurturing character. This person's a father. Uh, there's the, the eccentric uncle. So there's all these ways of trying to categorize us. And I remember somebody saying like, I don't know what PG is. They're like, maybe she's a centric uncle, but like, they're like, I'm getting more father vibes. And they're like, I don't know that we've ever had a female father before. Um, <laughs> which I thought was, was really interesting and actually really cool, you know, and that's something I've heard a lot my whole life. Like even when I auditioned for Survivor and they make you go through these, uh, personality tests, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really comprehensive personality tests. And Dr. Liza, when she sits down and talks to you afterwards and she was going through it and she was like, you know, it's really interesting because she's like, if I didn't have you standing in front of me, you know, looking sweet and pretty whatever she's like I would have thought this was the personality profile of a man like she's like this is 100% a typical guy's personality in terms of like aggression and not nurturing but the, the, I, I you know I don't even know I probably should have asked her I'm not even sure which what is it that makes it a guy's personality but it's that's, hard in that moment to be like critically thinking <laughs> when you're in the middle of casting and going through all these tests so fair game for not asking her the details of it but how did that make you feel when she said that um did it make I, you feel proud excited strange I, you know I was like, yeah, she looked at me and she was like, she's like, I can tell that this is not news to you. <laughs> You're not surprised. And I was like, not, not really. Like I kind of been tomboy, you know, my whole life, like all my guy, like my, I've always had guy friends and they're always like, PG, like you need to be more sweet. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't know how to be that way. Like, it's not, I don't know. Uh, so, so no, it was not news to me. <laughs> Well, this like idea of you need to be more sweet. I have had the pleasure of meeting you a handful of times at different survivor events and you always, and, and those events, when you're a new survivor and there are like other survivors who have been around for a long time and I've never identified as one of the cool kids and like 
nervous kind of going into those events. And every time you made me feel welcome and like that you were so kind and so welcoming and yes, strong as in like holding your space. Like I was like, dang, she is just so confident. Like seeing you as someone who I admired in those experiences and So it's interesting that there would be some people out in the world um, suggesting that you need to be sweeter um, because in my experiences with you, I don't really care about sweet. I care about kindness and you've always exuded kindness and welcomingness. So I'm surprised to hear people say that. You know what? I think that when people say sweet, what they mean is submissive. Yes. (laughs) It's probably more accurate. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and also like, like, um, there is a word, God, there's a word in Chinese. It's there, but I don't know what the translation would be in English, but it's kind of this, how these cute girls are to their boyfriend where they're like, honey, like, you know, can you help me? Meek, meek, but it's like this affectionate kind of little girl, like to her dad kind of mm-hmm. mannerism mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there's a word that describes that I don't know what the word would be for that in English um, but that's kind of the general feeling that they're like they expect you to be you know it's funny that you 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 said that about welcoming people and I always try I've never been one of the cool kids I don't think um, I don't think I am but you know I, I do like to try to make sure people feel included and it's funny how the perceptions are I remember at one event and it was um it was the one it was the the give kids the world event the the hearts of reality in florida mm-hmm. and it was um libby i forget her last name was she on from my season, season? yeah Vincent, from your Vin- season yeah mm-hmm. yes 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 she's beautiful right this tall gorgeous athletic blonde mm-hmm. um and these are like the type of women that i have always kind of been really intimidated by my whole life right these southern tall beautiful blonde women And she was, I remember she was at the event and she was standing there. And to me, she felt very standoffish. And I was like, oh, you know, and my immediate go-to was like, she thinks she's too good for this or she's what, you know, like whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that was just my go-to. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm going to go over and say hi because she's new here. And so I just kind of went and I started talking to her and Within like the first three minutes, like I just realized my perception was totally off because like the first thing she said to me was she was like, I'm so glad you came over to talk to me. She's like, I feel so shy and intimidated. Like I'm new here. I don't know anybody. I don't like know how to really start talking to people. And like, you know, and and I just realized like, okay, like it really threw me for a loop. Um, perception was totally off. And, and then of course, I'm glad I went over and talked to her, but just, you know, things are never, your assumptions are never really what they seem. Yes. They can be completely wrong. And like, if you're a person at any event whatsoever and you feel like, ah, no one wants to talk to me, but if you see other people ever standing by themselves, they're probably feeling that insecure way too. And, um, just like, giving a little bit of gumption to get yourself to go and introduce and say hello. And you never know who you could meet and um, meeting. I think she was like a princess in Disney world or something. And it was so fun. And Libby was always very, very kind to me throughout the whole experience and is a lovely person to speak with. So um, I love that as an example. And I have felt the same welcoming 
kindness from you as well at events that I was at. So thanks for saving us. Thanks for saving those of us alone in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, of course. You know, I think I've tried, you know, that that was one time when I had these wrong assumptions, but I I really try for the most part to, you know, I have this weird thing. My sister says this is a detriment because I don't think that I feel embarrassment or shame the way a lot of normal people do. Mm. And And she was like, you know, that shame is a mechanism to keep you from getting in trouble at social events, just like pain is a mechanism of protecting your body. Um, but, you know, I just realized a long time ago that like, you know, people don't think about things as much as you think they do. Right. Like if you fart in in, 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 if you accidentally fart somewhere, like if you act, if you laugh it off, like then it's just a funny story for later. But, you know, and nobody really is thinking about it that much. Like, I don't know. It's yeah, nobody's <laughs> nobody. Everyone's too worried about them, their own selves to be worrying too much about if you farted, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just go up and I don't know, talk to people. And uh, sometimes I also try to stand by myself times to give fans a chance to come talk to you because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, this goes back to community and, um, you know, trying to be aware also that yes, when you're at these events, it's, it's cool to catch up with the other reality stars, but you know, these, I always feel like these fans pay so much to come to these things. Like you should give them a chance to come talk to you. And so many times I do hear them come up and they're like, oh, I was, I'm like so nervous to, I don't want to interrupt, you know, you're in conversation with somebody else. And so I always kind of try to give myself a few minutes where I stand off alone. And I just, I don't know, try, I try to look approachable, (laughs) smile, even though it's, that's not my normal, like I got serious RBF, but you know, I try to look approachable and I'm like, yes, you can come, you can come talk and take a photo. Is I I love that idea because I think when I was first meeting you I, the first time I'm not even sure my episode had my season had aired yet and then that first kind of year you're just so and I've talked with a few of the previous guests about being so insular and stuck to your other castmates and being with oh I'm a survivor and these are the survivors and I haven't been to events for a really long time but I do look forward to hoping RHAP comes to Chicago area. Or wherever I can go to get to one, because now that I've had some time to recover out of that bubble, and I'm not so dealing with my own wounds and but the good parts and the bad parts so big, I think I could speak with fans with a little more grace than I did in the past, because I'm not as caught up in the movement anymore. And do you think this perspective you've had, were you that way, like when you played the first time or has this kind of grown because now you've had, you know, a few years since you played the first time, or have you always been open to fans stuff? But so look, I was really, really lucky because I think that I got a pretty good reception from the fan community. Um, And so it never affected me in the way that it has for some other people. But also I have really selective hearing. Like <laughs> I'm sure that there were, there were definitely people that, you know, made fun of me, made fun of, I don't know, my mole, you know, they, they, they don't like you, but I, I've never paid attention to the haters. Like why, like, like why would I care what some random idiot on the internet thinks of me? Like I already know that, 
if you don't like me, you're the type of person that I'm not going to care about your opinion. Like, like mm. you're, you're going to be some guy that thinks the opposite of what I do. I, I don't need, you know, like, I don't need you to like me. And so like, I've probably just deleted, muted. Like I don't really sit and I, I just don't lean into that when people have talked shit about me. I have extremely like rose tinted blinders on you know it's again I don't know if this is good or not like my friends are like they're like I feel like you go through like PG vision must be some weird cartoon world because I just (laughs) you know I I look back and it's I I was talking to a a friend of mine and he was like yeah I look back you know there's this time we used to obsessively go to Korean spa um and like we can talk about that later but like he's like I look back and those were one of like the happiest moments of my life and you know and I he was looking at me kind of like oh like wasn't it for you and I'm like yes that was a great time in my life he's like but was it one of your happiest and I'm like I look back and I was like I feel like everything's the happiest moment I don't you know or like I was talking to my cousin and she was like yeah I was really miserable um in our childhood and I granted I didn't have to live with her parents but I'm like I look back we spent a lot of time together our two families and I'm like I I look back and I think my childhood is great, even though I can objectively look back and be like, yes, there were a lot of terrible moments. There were times when I went through a lot of terrible things um, that weren't terrible. They were terrible in my in my adolescent mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know I felt miserable in the moment. But looking back overall, I'm like, I don't know. I have good memories. And I I think I'm also blessed with uh, remembering the good stuff over the bad stuff. I think the majority of people tend to focus on the bad. Yeah. When is it when you're going through a bad time, a hard time, do you think you experience it differently from other people who are in a bad time in some way? And that's how you can then look back on it. Like, do you see yourself dealing with adversity differently or you deal with it like everyone heartbreak the same as everyone else, but then you still can look back. Yeah, I think I do in a way. I think that I've gotten pretty good at realizing when things are out of my control, you know, Um, and so like rejection. uh, I know Franny has always said this. She said this in her podcast. I hear her. I can hear her head in my I can hear her voice in my head. Um, Rejection isn't real. Like it's literally something that's made up. So like if I, you know, when I used to date a lot, if I'd go on a date with some guy and he'd go to me or he'd be like, I just don't think it's working out. I would lit- I would just take him at his word. I'd be like, you know what? That's fine. Because I know that sometimes guys aren't for me um, and it's not him. It's just, he, I just didn't yeah. feel that connection there. And so why should he think less of himself just because I wasn't feeling that connection? And also like, I know that I got some fucked up taste, right? <laughs> like, so if, if I didn't feel a connection, it's probably because you're, you're an absolutely normal, good stand-up person. <laughs> and there's no reason for you to feel <laughs> bad about yourself just because I want something weird and twist. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm just saying, you never know what people want. So you can't take things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been pretty, pretty good about that. Like I try to, um, even being little, like when you're little, you can think that you've been that way your whole life. I had an epiphany when I was like 14 years old that I think has shaped the way I view the world. And it sounds so stupid, but it changed my entire worldview. So when I was like, I don't know, 15 years old, I was on vacation in Hawaii with my family and I was always very independent. I was one of these, like even at 12, I used to walk like a block ahead of my family because I wanted to pretend like I was out on my own, you know, and so I was miserable on this 
Hawaiian vacation. I was angry that I was with my family. I wanted to be with my friends. Um, I just felt, I don't know, I, I felt stupid being with my family. It doesn't make any sense. Like every and, 15 year old kid who's on vacation with their family, I think. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just being, I was being a little bitch. Like I was pouting in the corner. I just wasn't having fun. And I, you know, I was just sitting there like mad and my family had taken us on like a day boat cruise. It should be a great time. And, you know, everyone. And finally, like I kind of looked up around me. And I, again, I was miserable. I was just sitting against the wall mad. And I looked around me and I'm like, everyone's having a good time. I'm like, your bad mood isn't isn't affecting anybody else but yourself, mm. um, you know, and I was like, and you're on vacation in Hawaii. Like, why are you going to sit here like a little bitch and pout and whine because you can't be with your friend? Like, I was like, fucking face reality, PG, like this this is all in your head. And, you know, and so in that moment, like I was just something snapped and I was like, I'm done being miserable. And I was like, you know what, just go, just go have fun. And so like I did, I started, I don't know, going on the water slide and kind of just being involved. And then of course, because now I'm actually like approachable and having a good time. I met all the other kids that are on the boat. So then I, you know, you make friends, you made friends with, I don't know, the cute lifeguard, like whatever. <laughs> and I had a great time and I was, had a great time for the rest of the trip. And it was just, you know, it sounds like something so small and stupid, but like that just really helped me understand the power of your own perception in your mind. And it was like, literally nothing changed. It was just the mind shift, you know, shift in perspective. Yeah. Um, like you, you're the person on the boat having the bad experience and then in looking up and seeing the only thing bad about this experience is in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know, impressive it, that you were able to like see that experience that at your age. I mean, I've been, I've spent thousands of dollars and hours and hours and hours in meditation classes and meditation teachers to like get to this idea that suffering is in my own head. So I find it incredibly fascinating that you just had this moment as a teenager. I think I got lucky because I just... I think that in my case, it was just so instantaneous. Like, I think I went on the water slide. I smiled at the cute lifeguard. He smiled at me, started chatting me up and then kind of was like, there's these other guys, you know, introduced me to somebody else. And it was just like the minute I had made the decision to participate, like everything's coming up Millhouse, you know, like everything <laughs> the universe just... then was supporting you. towards yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And it was just so... There, there was no, um, it, it was so instantaneous, I felt like that it really backed up my decision to be good. And so I think that's part of what helped, right? Like that everything just happened so fast. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It makes me think of, I was on one of these yoga retreats and one of the guides on the retreat said to me, cause I was going through some stuff, asking me to take responsibility for the fact that I had been cheated on like four relationships in a row. And I've never thought I would curse at like a Buddhist leader, but I did. And then, but then I like slept on it. I woke up feeling completely different. And then I went back to him and I was like, I think like I can accept my role in this. And I think I will never date the same again. And he was like, yeah, your head isn't very far away from your heart. And do you being like, go ahead, go ahead. Do you think that it's your fault that you got cheated on? Is that the conclusion? 
No, I do not think at all that it was my fault that I got cheated on. Okay, good. (laughs) Did I choose to continue to be in relationships with men who I knew were not treating me well? Yes. Okay. Yes. That, that I can get behind. Yes. Because ultimately we're responsible for our own decisions. And this is when somebody chooses to cheat or do these things, these things are out of your control, really. Like you can't get mad, you know, I mean, you can, but like, I do not. Yeah. And I I was mad when he said it because I thought he was saying like, well, what did you do to get cheated? Like, did you deserve it? Did you blah, blah, blah. This idea of like blaming women often. Right. And so I was angry. But I realized like with sleeping on it and all of that, that it was this idea of what, how am I continuing to have to learn the same lesson from the universe over and over again. I got broken up with at my 30th birthday party and I got broken up with at my 33rd birthday party, two different men, both at my party. And so it was shortly after this where I'm on this. And it, so at first it is this idea of just not understanding what could possibly be wrong with me that that would happen. And then realizing oh, it's not that there's anything wrong with me. Like you are saying, it's that I continue to put myself in situations against my instinct of being around people that, you know what? I didn't even love. I didn't even love those people who were treating me that way. So it's just that idea. Okay, everybody, here we are. I spent half or all of my five minutes with Jeff Probst talking about boys in my life. I'm a 36-year-old woman and here I am doing it again. But I felt like I wasn't exactly clear about what happened and I want to set the record straight. So yes, I did get broken up with at my 30th and my 33rd birthday party by two different guys. I had also been cheated on kind of serially since I was about 19 years old. And it was it's been tough. It's been tough. I've made it through. This experience I'm talking about with PG here is about how I went to a yoga retreat, my own eat, pray, love, solo women's journey, and was at a yoga retreat. And one of the guides there, you know, looked at me and said, well, Kellen, where is your responsibility in the fact that you've been cheated on? And like I said to PG, it was... I felt very offended and like it was, he was trying to blame me for being cheated on. That was not his point. His point was that I had continued to choose men and relationships that were not serving me. I had continued to not follow my intuition that I was letting my desire to be liked, to get in the way of me loving and being loved. And wanting to be liked is different than wanting to love. And I think that's what he was trying to get get at. It's a whole nother podcast to go through all of the wrecks of relationships I've been in and out of. And thankfully now I'm with my lovely husband, Adrian, who I met in Spain. Um, But I did want to clear it up that I take no personal responsibility for the actions of those people that hurt me. You shouldn't either. But that it did help me to realize that I had some control, a lot of control, all of the control in the way I deserve to be treated. I don't know if I've gone too far (laughs) to the left here, but, um, or off course, but 
I just am so fascinated that you had this moment when you were as a teenager. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I saved a lot of pain. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's probably part of what kept me single because every time I've been like cut and run, man, I don't (laughs) zero tolerance. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in, in, I mean, look, I am married now for the second time, so don't take relationship advice from me. Uh, Uh, I don't have a great track record. I've never been married, so I mean, definitely don't take any (laughs) romantic advice from me either. But I'll tell you this much. I am am a happy person, I think. So there you um, go. Yeah, um, I don't doubt that for a second. Um, I, you exude you exude happiness and satisfaction with your life from the little bit I've interacted with you in person, what I've seen on TV and on your social, you are someone that I look up to as someone who embraces their life in the moment that it is. And of course, why would we let people in who didn't enjoy life and add to your life when you've curated and decided to go down the water slide? Oh, that okay. First of all, thank you so much for that. That it's it's always weird to me to hear these things because it's you know I don't know. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. Um, I encounter this all the time in my own podcast. I talk to all these creators, people who have created awesome escape rooms and immersive experiences, and none of them like they're like they're all like, why am I on here? Like, who should be listening to me talk? And I'm like, you've created award-winning incredible things um but there's you know I don't I don't know is there like a PhD in (laughs) in any of this stuff not I don't know who knows who cares um but (laughs) so it but it means it means a lot to me to know that that that's how you see me because I always think of myself as still some goofy kid even though I'm Mm. 45 (laughs) um (laughs) Mm. but I mean I think that the curating part is true. Like I have always, I've just cut things out of my life pretty ruthlessly if I don't feel like it serves me anymore. People or whatever, you know, and it's not something I do lightly and it's not even something I always spend a lot of time thinking about, but, you know, like like losing a possession. I've lost so much shit and it's probably not good either from my bank account. But I'm like, if stuff is lost, like I'm upset about it a little bit, but I'm like, you know, I always have to sit and look like is being upset about something going to help me with this problem? Like, mm-hmm. no, then move on, you know, like, but if it's being upset, can is there a solution? Can I do something about it? I've always been very kind of like action or results oriented. So I don't really like to sit and dwell on stuff. And that's not to say like I've had, but of course I've had my emo moments in the past where I've had breakups. And, you know, honestly, that's what made, that's what got me on a survivor was a bad breakup. And I spent like six months depressed. Mm. And I didn't want to leave my house. I was barely showering, you know, just classic, like just feeling like the whole world sucks. And one day I woke up and I was like, you can't go on like this, PG. Like, this is not who you are. And I was like, you know what? You're going to go on an amazing adventure. This is this is the PG that you know you are. You're going to travel somewhere by yourself. You're going on an adventure. You're going to have a great time. And just making that decision that I was going to do that, I felt happy for the first time in months. So I'm like, okay, 
this is a step towards the right direction, right? And it was literally that that weekend that I had just kind of started like researching where do I want to go? Where do I want to travel to? That was the weekend that like an old acquaintance called me out of the blue and was like, hey, this is really random, but have you ever seen a show called Survivor? You know, and he was casting for it and he was, they were looking for an Asian female, even though he's like, we're not supposed to say that. Um, but we, he's like, we are looking for an Asian female to cast um, for the show. He's like, will you come audition? And I was like, uh, uh, bitch, what did you just ask for? What did you just say? You asked for an adventure. So I had to do it. You know, you don't say no when the universe is literally like, here, here you go. <laughs> yeah, when you say, you were like, wait, did I, when I was asking in my head about adventure, I meant like going to the beach for the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to go to like Thailand or something, go to Hawaii, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Hawaii. That sounded good. So when you got the call, Hey, do you want to go do this? Did you like, was your first thing not to make a video then you like went in person or how did your audition process go? So I was lucky. I didn't have to make a video. They were so late in the Mm. casting process that, um, I just went, I submitted an application and then I talked to somebody on the phone and then they sent me directly to final, the, the final, casting call in the uh, hotel the three-day thing but I didn't yeah so I didn't have that much time I think from when from when I found out from when my friend called me until like the day that I left was about a month period right wow so yeah so I literally um I was like well I gotta do this and so that day I stopped working I ordered the DVDs of Survivor from Amazon because we didn't have streaming back then (laughs) there's no Netflix uh and I'd never even seen the show in my life and so I spent every day of those those 30 days watching Survivor I got a uh trainer I started working out I had to quit smoking I used to smoke um and you know reading up on like I don't know strategy books and all these things and just trying to find out about it and and the thing is you're doing all this you don't even know if you're cast right like from the even back then they didn't they were still like the worst as my uh, casting director said I'll be the worst boyfriend you've ever had and I'm like try me but really they don't keep you (laughs) in the loop at all about what's going on this whole month really yeah well I think also because it was very it was very late stage so like I was told that I was that I made it on like a week before I left so I already knew I wouldn't have that much time so I was like you gotta start prepping now and what's the and again like what's the worst that'll happen if you don't get on that will suck but you'll be in better shape you'll quit smoke you know like all these things right so I'm like it's fine um and you know and I forgot about the boyfriend I forgot about being sad and depressed (laughs) while I was (laughs) preparing for all of this and again what was funny was that like I knew I was going to get on. I don't even know why I, I just, I just had this gut feeling. And I remember when they told me, they were like, you made it on. And I was like, awesome. And they were like, you don't seem that (laughs) surprised or whatever. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, like, yes, I I'm happy. I'm thrilled. But something inside me, like I, I, like I just knew I've been preparing. Yeah. 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 I I, I feel that somewhat too. I think even though I doubt it, like my ego or whatever it is was still telling me like, you didn't do great in the interview. You didn't do all that, you know, all that negative self-talk, but I would say like my inner true core just somehow like 
even when I got the first call the first time, um, I emailed her and just was like, I know it's me. It's going to be me. And like, it just ended up coming through that way. Um, I love that. I, that's the shortest time of anyone I've ever talked to, to know that that's all the time they had to prepare. Did you have to like still do wardrobe and send in your clothes and stuff? Or did they provide you clothes? You were doing all of that. That's a full-time job to do it all in one month. Let me tell you, these assholes gave me a whole shopping list of stuff to buy. Yes. Short, hoodie, sweatshirt, pants, all of this. I must have spent like two or three hundred dollars buying everything they told us to buy. And then these bitches put us on the island in our fucking press clothes. OK, <laughs> like I was in shorts, a little top. Actually, I think the outfit that I was talking about that I wore to the interview with the all the 30 execs, uh-huh. that's the outfit that I wore. I think that's the outfit that I wore in the show. Like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can look it up. I'll look it up to see if it was the pinstripe shorts. <laughs> it is. It, it And these little glass heels that I was wearing in like the first episode where they made us walk through Shanghai and they made me wear the heels and a giant backpack. Um, and then uh-huh. I... I took those heels off and I never wore them again throughout the entire rest of the show. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. I'm glad they didn't make you out, out in the heels. Um, is that it's, uh, something I wanted to ask about was the difference between like the hardcoreness between the first time you played and the second time you played? Like, was it just so much physically harder and more difficult? I mean, doing things like making you walk through in heels you were having to hike to challenges like did it get easier oh the second God. time around 100 the second time physically is a fucking cakewalk um you know the hardest the second part is easier and harder the physical aspects the survival aspects are a lot easier you've been around the block you know that you can do it you know so a large part of that fear and confusion is gone Everybody knew how to build the shelter. Everybody knew to make the fire. Like it was just like a team that had been working together forever. Um, some of the things still sucked, like not eating. That part still sucked. Well, we we were given a lot more food in thirty in thirty one. Um, I was like, I think I'm gaining weight. <laughs> but in in China, we didn't eat anything for the first four days. I like I'd never gone that long without food before. Um, I always wondered that. And now that I've looked back at 31, I'm like, did you guys pre-negotiate that there would be more food or did some people on the cask pre- pre-negotiate that or something? Because I, I don't know, but if they I mean, it's still them. hard, however, however much you ate, it's still hard. I just remember what, looking back and being like, wait, what? They were like, actually had food. <laughs> we did, we yeah. did not, but I still can watch back some old seasons. I'm just like, I don't know if I could have played like I could have because you can do anything, but I'm very glad I didn't have to play like pre-season 25 Survivor. I feel I've like had, that was worse. It was pretty bad. I've, I've had some producers tell me that they think China was one of the hardest locations um, just because of the extreme heat and the, the mud and just the lack of food. You know, there wasn't really a lot out there. Um, yeah, it was a really stinky and really rough. <laughs> I can't imagine. I I cannot imagine. Even though I've played Survivor, I cannot imagine making it through a super rainy season. I can't imagine being in the water, mud, and stuff like in China. Like I, 
I cannot if they I remember because they don't tell you where you're going. And even though it had been in Fiji, and I'm sure if I had been more of a super fan, I would have known that the contract was signed for however many years in Fiji or whatever. But when we got to the airport, I was and we stepped up to Fiji Airways. I was so relieved because I knew it was the easy route of like living on a beautiful beach isn't so bad. (laughs) Oh, you didn't know where you were going before you stepped onto the plane? They didn't tell us. What? I mean, when we walked up into the airport to like step up to give our passport to check our bags. Then yeah, they found out at the airport. Now, granted, I never asked. Oh, I I guess I knew I I, I knew it was China from the beginning. Huh. Interesting. Well, maybe that was maybe I was just too maybe I was just too um, good girl. And like I was always worried about asking the wrong questions or doing something to like lose my spot so I just was a little church mouse and didn't ask didn't ask anything you got to game the system Kellen like <laughs> and nobody yeah. else gonna help you you got to go help yourself you have <laughs> many examples of doing things to get an edge with uh, sewing your flint into your cardigan and all this stuff and um I don't know have people just over asked you about how you were even able to eat that Kit Kat bar that your dad brought you didn't production take it away <laughs> no I was so afraid that they would take it away that like I went and hid it in the medical kit mm-hmm. you know um and they usually don't follow you back there because you're you're not that's kind of like out of game right um yes. So I went and hid this Kit Kat and everybody's heard the story before, I think. But like my dad snuck me a Kit Kat at the family reunion um, at the very end. And and the reason he said it was a Kit Kat was because it was square so he could hide it in his back pocket without it sticking out. uh, So nobody would see it. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny because even watching the show at home, it really didn't strike me how much the hunger would be an issue. I don't know why. Just I just. You weren't worried about that specifically. Yeah, I just never really thought about it, you know, um, until you're out there. And yeah, like it's really hard and you obsessively think about food. It's I was one of those because there's always two camps of Survivor, the people who want to talk about food nonstop and the people who are like, don't fucking even say the word, you know, burger. Like, I don't want to hear it. Um, but I was one of those people. I wanted to talk about food. No, oh, you did. We would I was, have been, I was one of them cover, covering my yeah. ears, like, please just out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. But you wanted to go through all the menus. I was, <laughs> I was Bubba Gump. And I was like, let's do ice cream flavors, guys. And we'd be like chocolate, straw. I'd be like, ooh, butter pecan. They'd be like, oh my, you know. <laughs> I know you're kind. I know you're kind. The ones who were like, if you go to Arby's, what are you going to get? If you go to pizza, what are you putting on your top? And I was just like, please please no like uh for some reason that was hard for me when people wanted to talk about it (laughs) it was so comforting like woo and i used to just sit and like (laughs) yeah we would we would be like dupe cereals now peach (laughs) i'm glad you had a buddy and i'm glad it wasn't me um for that i would have loved to i would love to play with you but for that reason You've alluded through it a few times is this idea of being a gamer and a gamer who has created community through a few ways, one of which your escape room podcast. Do you want to start there? How did that come about? How has it been going? I mean, Neil Patrick Harris, like the Neil Patrick Harris as a guest, like tell us all about it. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, Survivor is the gift that keeps on giving. 
Um, I've made so many connections through it. And so this is definitely one of those things where uh, so many of the amazing people in my life now I met because they were fans of Survivor. And, you know, and I'm a huge escape room enthusiast. I love escape rooms. I love games. I love um, immersive games like, you know, murder mystery hunts, things like that, puzzles, all of that kind of stuff. And so I met all these people that were like, we're, I'm a fan of yours. And I'm like, I'm a fan of yours. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so now I have a podcast. It's called Reality Escape Pod with David Spira from Room Escape Artist. That's a website that reviews escape rooms. Um, and they do other things too. Like we have now um, an escape room convention. They also host escape room tours. So if you want to go somewhere and just do a bunch of cool escape rooms, they'll organize all of that for you. Uh, yeah, so that's I kind of fell into that because so Anthony Robinson, who was on Fiji uh, season 13, I think, for 14, 14, one before mine. So um, he's really kind of into, you know, LARPing and all this immersive stuff. So he actually interviewed me for another podcast called No Persinium. They cover like immersive events, things like uh, Sleep No More in New York. And so that's when I first met David Spira, who runs Room Escape Artists. And we just got along swimmingly, like we got along so well. And then over the pandemic, they asked me if I would want to be a guest writer um, doing reviews for like virtual escape rooms. During the whole quarantine, everybody was opening up virtual escape rooms. There are some still running that you can play online. And so we just kind of started working together a little bit more because of that. And every time we talked, we'd have these great conversations. They had a uh, convention. And so they asked me to host the live Q&As. And apparently I did a good enough job there <laughs> that um, he was like, well, you come back and, you know, be co-host with me for this because he'd been wanting to host a podcast for a long time and just didn't have the right partner so he works very closely with his wife Lisa who is amazing but she and him are very similar the similar similar energy right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and um and him and I have totally opposite energy and you you kind of need that mix so he's kind of more like serious and knowledgeable he's funny too but you know we all know who's really the funny one here <laughs> um <laughs> I'm laughing <laughs> um but that has been really cool. So, you know, starting off, uh, I always thought of my role as kind of more color commentary, idiot sidekick, like, and not, you know, I'm joking about that, but like somebody needs to be there to ask the questions for the the average person, right? Like he's mm -hmm. good at like kind of the insider knowledge, but somebody also need to be like, okay, can you, you guys keep saying the word LARP? Let's talk about what that actually means because sure. not every, you know, not everyone's going to know. So that was kind of my live role. action role play. Yes. Live action <laughs> role play. So, and since, <laughs> so you're actually dressing up as like an elf and you're squatting in the woods for like hours with a bow and arrow. You know? <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's just been really cool. Like over after doing that for a while, like I kind of started stepping into my role a little bit more of interviewer right and realizing mm -hmm. like you know what pg like you can do this because and and so the thing that's been really cool about that is um he you know 
he's uh, like a thought leader in the industry, right? And so he's done a lot of speaking at panels and things like that. And so I kind of started getting invited to speak at these conventions and to host panels and moderate and things like that. And I was just so nervous, you know, um, mm. because I'm sharing the stage with these people who had, with people who had created Sleep No More were presenters and I'm presenting. And I was like, who, like, who am I, mm. you know, to be here? And I just remember this. He looked at me, he was like, PG, he was like, I guarantee that you know more about escape rooms than 90% of the people in this room. You've talked to, you know, you've done this for two years now. You're talking and interviewing all these people. Like, you can do it. He was like, and you're a natural on stage. Like, and I'm like, you're right. Like what? <laughs> you're right. I am. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that was a whole long tangent, but that's what I'm no, doing I, lately. I wanted to hear, I, that's, it wasn't a tangent. I wanted to hear about, first of all, this is my first podcast as well. And so I wanted to hear about how you got into it and decided to do that. And specifically escape rooms, because you you also like video games, board games, puzzle type things as well. Um, so what specifically is it about escape rooms that really light your fire? I Well, what I love about escape rooms, they're just, they're everything I wanted when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for an hour, you can step into like, this amazing fantasy world, the production value at a, at some of the top rooms are incredible, right? They're like Disney level production, except that it's not like you're waiting in line for 60 minutes and then you're going on a two second ride. You know, yeah. you get to really sit and explore and the like space. Touch things and be involved touch and be things. a character. Yeah. And you're solving puzzles. Um, you're, there's a storyline, you know, a lot of the best rooms are created by people with backgrounds in theater. So like there's theatrical style lighting and sound cues and things like that. So some of the best games, really, it's like you have stepped into a movie where you get to be the main character and you get to be the hero. You know, it's freaking amazing. It's 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 what we did on Survivor compacted into one hour because I always this is how I begin a lot of my talks is that you know I went on Survivor where they put us into an immersive environment Mm -hmm. they had us role-playing as castaways and you're playing a game you know all to vote people out and I'm like this is this is an immersive game that we're playing and that's kind of what escape rooms are that's what a lot of all of these games are. I can see how there's a a parallel experience and you get to eat and it's only 60 minutes and it's approachable and accessible, usually within an hour of where most people live to go find one. So um, exactly. And And there, there's been rooms where I've had rooms where I cried. There were touching stories. I've had rooms with the most incredible reveals. Like my mouth was like on the floor. I could not believe it's, it's like a magic trick. Sometimes some of the things they do in these there there are horror ones i played a room in the netherlands called stay in the dark by this company called dark park and it takes place in a five-story abandoned chemical warehouse okay it was exactly like being in a movie we descend down the stairs into the basement level it's dark there's a couple flickering lights but you know and people go in a haunted house ashore but there is really nothing like standing in a hallway and it is stretching off into the distance until the far end is just engulfed in darkness. And you know, you're going to have to go down there, you know. 
<laughs> I think I'm more team like Disney feeling crying version. <laughs> and then you're going to be in a horror movie, which I don't want to watch anyway. So I'm picturing I've been watching Silo on Apple TV. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. Oh, I think you'd like it's a, a fantasy science sci-fi sci-fi kind of a post-apocalyptic show um is really good uh and i'm that's what i'm picturing because you have to like go down these stairs anywho um well i you know i like all the feelings i like any experience that el- elicits these kind of extreme feelings because they make you feel alive and i'll tell you something though i used to hate haunted houses i wouldn't go to a haunted house i wouldn't watch horror movies and honestly i played a scary escape room and i loved it I just felt alive you know there's it's not about because a lot of times it's not about a gratuitous like jump scare like people are just jumping at you and that's it when it's artful when it's part of the story and it's you're creeping around and you're trying to figure things out I don't know it's just different and it gets like the adrenaline going and it's it's exciting and maybe your your brain is particularly good at separating the reality from the fiction of it uh, the, yes probably all that acid I did when I was younger <laughs> <laughs> it makes your your trips now a little more manageable <laughs> had to learn how to stay sane uh, <laughs> hey that is not a recommendation <laughs> um how so I okay so I want to go on escape rooms I want I'm like kind of the nerd who like watches at home where you guys are playing a lot of games online like I didn't play Among Us for the first time until like a few weeks ago and finally found a group to play with um what's your advice for someone who's like sitting at home seeing on Twitter that other people are doing these things but you feel like well I'm a loner I don't even know how to connect with other people um so for escape rooms Escape rooms is always tough because you do need to play with at least like one other person, right? Preferably three or four. Um, if you want to just try, I don't know what you, so look, if you, if you really want to just try an escape room, there are some escape rooms have public bookings. Mm-hmm. So you can just buy a single ticket and you'll just be put in a room with other people who have also bought tickets, you know, in. So that is one way. I know that there's a company called The Escape Game that still has public bookings. Most companies have gone private lately, but they still do have public bookings. So that's one way just to experience it. If you're like, I literally cannot even scrape together one other person. Um, Yeah. Or maybe you do have friends, but you're um, scared or embarrassed to ask them to go to an escape escape room. What would you say to them? Why would you? It's just, it's it's one hour out of your life. Like, (laughs) I I don't, why would you be embarrassed to ask? See, this is coming from somebody again who has um, no sense of embarrassment. But but <laughs> but why would you be embarrassed to ask somebody to play an escape room? It's just a game. It's just one hour. Yeah. No. I don't know. I think I I think I tend to be the person who like gets people together to do stuff. And if I don't, I don't. I feel like I don't get asked to do a lot of those things. I mean, now I live in the middle of Indiana. Like, um, so I think my direction to the crowd, if anyone's listening who feels like they'd like to do these things is just get over that fear of asking because then someone will have so much fun and then want to do it again. And it's really that first step of just being brave enough to ask and like, what's the worst that could happen? Someone says they're busy, but like we were talking about dating earlier, like if it's a no, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. So... 
Okay. So here, I think I asked the wrong question. I didn't mean that people were embarrassed to want to go to or to ask people to go to escape rooms. I think what I meant to say is, what if you are too scared or too nervous to ask people to do things with you? Because I see all of these like online games where people were playing among us and or people do go to uh, escape rooms or play certain board games. And I'm often like sitting at home watching through my screen wishing I was there. And so I was asking PG about her feedback about how to get connected to communities who are doing what you also like to do. And she goes on to answer the question, even though I asked it in the incorrect way. No one should be embarrassed about escape rooms. And then also, are there online communities? I mean, I think you have one like uh, places that you suggest people follow or connect with people on the internet who like games and rooms and stuff like this? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are already kind of interested, you like escape rooms, there's a ton of online communities. There's Facebook groups. So there's one called like escape room enthusiasts. You can ask to join that. There is an escape room discord. That one is open where people will sit and talk about things. Of course, if you become a patron, um, you can become a Patreon at Room Escape Artist. And We have a Discord community. We also do have a convention that's coming up this August. You can look it up at realityescapecon.com. And that's our convention that'll be this August, August 19th and 20th. It's all online this year. And then next year it will be in person again. So that's probably one of the best places. But honestly, if you really want to go, I would recommend the escape room tours. So my uh, partner, David and Lisa, they run these escape room tours. And what's cool about them is uh, you get to go to a city that has really incredible escape rooms. They've already curated the best ones out there and they will personally lead you. They'll book everything. And you're going with a group of other enthusiasts. And if you are into something and if you've never been around a bunch of other people that are really into the same thing you are, the energy is amazing. It's like going to like, I don't know, sports games or like going to, you know, the the, the movies and everyone's cheering. Like there's it's just really cool being able to talk to other people that are into the same thing as you are. But the other best part is that they f- will also form everyone into groups, right? So like if you're uh, by yourself or maybe you're a couple, even if you're a couple, a lot of rooms have like a minimum of four um, and it's hard to find that. So Mm -hmm. you, or sometimes your friends just can't travel the same time that you can. Right, right. So you can go to that and they'll put you into teams and it's super fun. I've gone once, I highly recommend it. Sounds so fun. I love that idea for not just escape rooms, whatever you're in, if you're into climbing or I do a lot of like women's yoga retreats or other, I mean, any kind of interest that you have, there are probably travel groups that go somewhere and do it more and more in, in especially post COVID things are picking up again. So I think that's great advice on how to get out there and meet new people and make new friends that do the things that you love to do. Yeah. So this goes back to like community, which, you know, before I said that when I was younger, I I didn't really think, I don't know, I just didn't have it. I didn't think anything of it. Um, But now that I do, um, I would say the two communities that I'm really the most invested in are the survivor community, not only the other players, but the fan community as well. Right. It's just really cool to see all these people that have a common passion. Um, And then the escape room and gaming community it's being around people that love the same thing as you do. You know, I, I, there was a girl that 
um, wrote a note for us after the convention. And she just said, like, thank you so much for creating a safe space for me where I could come and nerd out. And I didn't feel like a nerd, you know, I like I didn't feel like I was boring my friends because I I wanted to sit and talk about something in depth for like hours and hours. And Mm -hmm. I was around other people that wanted to do the same thing. And it just felt safe and I felt warm and welcomed. And, you know, it's nice to know that you're not alone in your obsessions. Yeah, (laughs) right. It's always nice to find the others that are obsessing right along with you. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Is there anything else you want to share about your um, gaming stuff or anything in that space before we move into the rapid round questions? Um, no, that's about it. You know, I had that Twitch streaming too. I will say this to any any of my pe- previous patrons, I definitely owe them an apology because I kind of just stopped doing it. And I think that at the time, you know, I was running these streams where I was um, hosting like online board games with other survivor players. And it was really, really fun, but it was just also really draining. Like, you know, you're booking people for the podcast. Now, you know, that booking sucks, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to get people to come on and asking one person. um, I think it's a little bit easier because survivor players in general, I think tend to like to talk. And so (laughs) I'm cheating. That's what I always say. Like I'm cheating on having this podcast because I'm, it's a group of people who, know how to tell a story already and are have had to be very self-reflective already. Um, and I'm only doing 10 episodes. So I, you know, it hasn't been too stressful yet, but I can see that doing like the games you're doing where you needed four or five people every week. That is, that's hours six. and hours of work. I would get six people. Cause I tried to get seven people for a game. Yeah. That's like hours and hours of work. Oh my God. It was hurting cats dude like this it was so hard and it, i mean it was easier because of you know quarantine like nobody was had anything better to do right and then once it kind of lifted it just got harder to try to book people there weren't as many people watching and i think also for me i, w- I was so burnt out at like the end of 21 um because yeah. i was juggling like the escape room stuff and then the online streaming plus like I was still trying to make money at like my regular job, you know, of working two other jobs and just staying busy. And all of a sudden it all caught up. And then you're also trying to get out and do stuff. And, you know, and I kind of just not ghosted the group. So I feel real. I, I, I apologize. Anybody who is part of that community. Um, and it wasn't even intentional. I think I was just like, you know what? I need to take a break this week, guys. Like just we're going to take one week break. And then it, one week just kind of became two, you know, like and it just kind of yeah understanding (laughs) that life goes on and when we were in that COVID and quarantine time we like I was in an online poker group that we've talked about and it it was every week I mean sometimes a couple nights a week because we were all at home and that's just really dropped off so I'm guessing that a lot of the people who were listening in if you were still putting up wouldn't have the time to come every week anyway and you know at some point you can go back to doing it once a, a couple times a year if you feel excited to do that you know i don't think you owe anyone anything i'm sure they i'm going to forgive you on behalf of all of them <laughs> i do miss it it was a lot of fun actually i kind of you know there's a part of me that kind of misses like quarantine life uh <laughs> I actually probably spent more time socializing than I ever had, you know, chatting online, like even like us 
having conversations now. Everybody was doing podcasts and interviews and it was just, I don't know, it was so much fun. Like I, I was living my best life, honestly, during those times. <laughs> we were uh, less responsible, less like outside pressure responsibility and more time to actually spend, even though it wasn't in a room, but one-on-one with people or in groups. And I do miss the camaraderie of going through an experience together. I'm glad it's over-ish. I mean, it's not over, but I'm glad that we're through that. But I do miss it as well. You're not alone in that. I think part of it too is like, I spent a lot of my time gaming. um, And actually my group now that, and now I have a really uh, tight-knit group of friends that we do escape rooms together and we travel all around the world doing escape rooms. But, you know, we weren't super, super close before the pandemic. And that's really what brought us together because every night we would sit and play these games or do these puzzle hunts together. And it was awesome because you didn't have to be social. We all, mm-hmm. Half the time we're just sitting there. You're not even talking. You're just playing a game, but you, you, you still got to feel social without having to burn yourself out on talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I get that of having a, having a, activity to do where you're still sharing space with other people, but not having to be extending energy. It's games. That's why games are the best for that. I I always stand behind games as the best icebreaker, the best for anybody. If you're shy, if you're a shy person and you have a hard time talking to other people, I would recommend getting, trying to get into like a gaming group or something like that. It's been really fun. Even it was this poker group. Now we're doing Among Us and um, playing Mario Party and stuff. Sometimes I've really loved it. So if you ever are in need of uh, survivor people or just regular non-survivor people and still want to include me, I'd always be happy to play online games. So um, okay. you can put me on your target list <laughs> um, <laughs> when you're trying to track people down. I'm happy to be an alternate absolutely Um, i think oh i know i was trying to get you to come on but you were living you were in spain at the time oh yeah so it was like four in the morning or something yeah yeah makes sense makes sense uh well it is now time for our rapid round questions you can elaborate as much as you want these uh, these have taken anywhere from like 10 minutes to like 45 minutes going through the same questions depending on who i've talked with so we'll leave it up to you uh the first question is how many times did you apply for survivor well uh, i was gonna my answer i so i wrote down answers because you gave me these questions ahead of time my answer is one but i guess technically two since i've gone on two times (laughs) yeah well yeah so And you didn't really apply the first time since you got a call, but then you did. So they found you the first time. It's still the first time. You still still had to go through. It's still it's still I had to fill out the whole stack and I had to go through the interviews and the whole round. So it's I mean, it's not like I. um, Yeah, you still audition. I just didn't have to. You had to for second chance as well. Mm -hmm. For second chance, you had to fill out the same paperwork. Um, You. Yeah, we still went in and did the entire last, like when you're at the hotel, except now it's all survivor people (laughs) that you're running into at the hotel. But you still had to go through all the interviews and everything. I'm surprised about that. Um, We didn't have to do the executive. We didn't have to do that one. I don't think. I'm trying to remember now. It's such a blur. I knew we had to do the personality tests. We had to do the tests again. Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, I don't, gosh, it's such a blur. I don't really remember. Dom reminded me that Mark Burnett was there during our executive. I was like, I had no recollection of that at all. Oh, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't think he was there at mine. (laughs) Maybe Dom was wrong and my memory is right. Um, Okay, so 
in the new school ish, newish school survivor bios, they list three adjectives. And I've been asking everyone I talk with if they want to change their three adjectives. Um, you had, there were a lot of different things, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to pick three things that describe yourself today. Today, I would probably say funny, outgoing, and creative. When I was younger, I would have said funny, smart, and wild. (laughs) Isn't it funny how these things change over time? (laughs) You do. I think you still got a little bit of that wild and certainly still smart, but identifying most with funny, outgoing, and creative is a lovely way to describe you. Um, what was the, from like the day you got that first call when you asked the universe for an adventure until now, what was the best part and the hardest part of the survivor experience? Uh, the hardest part was not eating. I think that, and, um, feeling ostracized, you know, because I, I don't know that I really connected with anybody out there. Like some people are lucky and they find a buddy and they they find somebody that really helps them get through it. And I think that makes a that makes a huge difference when you have somebody that you really trust and you feel like you could rely on. Um, and, you know, so so feeling alone, feeling alone and feeling hungry were probably the two hardest parts. Um, but then conversely, I think the best part is meeting people. Uh, because every, every person who gets cast on Survivor is like the most interesting person in the world. Mm-hmm. I think every single person they've cast has just, I've been so lucky to be able to meet all these amazing people through it. Um, so I appreciate like these interviews that you're doing. Um, I think it's really cool is that people are amazing and the community, but also, you know, the other best part is chat, being able to challenge yourself. Right. Like knowing that it was hard and that you did it and you pushed through um, and you accomplished something like that is just like the most incredible feeling. I don't know that I would sign up for a triathlon or whatever, but like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that feeling of accomplishment when you're out there um, knowing like I made the shelter and I got the food and I made the fire and all, you know, I kept myself alive with like my own two hands. Well, with the help of everyone else, but still like, yes, but you did it. You were there and one challenge, one individual challenges and did the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's an amazing feeling. Um, one of the, it's a bonus question that I, I didn't send to you before. When you left to go on the show and on day one specifically of the show, um, did you believe that you could win? God, that's like, I, I want to say yes. Yes. I mean, ultimately, I don't think anybody goes out there if they don't think they could win. Like, why would you, why would you subject yourself to all of this if you don't think you could win? Right. Like. So, yes, I, you know, did I think I was going to like win any challenges? No. <laughs> so, so, so don't ask me why I thought I knew I could win. Like it. <laughs> so surprise yourself with the challenges, but you were going to you were going to come home with a check, but without uh, doing that well in challenges, which is possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it is. It is. <laughs> but, could, oh, keep going. Sorry. Um, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice on day one of the game, what would it be? Oh, I um, I have notes for this part. And my note for this is in capital letters. And it says, stop fighting with people. 
<laughs> which I didn't which I didn't manage to do in either season. I remember I was talking to to Ken Hong before I went on Second Chances and he was like, all right, Peach, he's like, I think you have a really good chance of going far. Like, you know, he was like my coach. He was like, he's like, you got a good, you know, you're in a good spot, blah, blah, blah. He was like, there's only one thing you need to do to make sure you go far. He was like, keep your fucking mouth shut. It's <laughs> like, stop. He's like, don't fight with anybody. Don't like you know, don't rock the boat. <laughs> and of course, like I start fights like in like the first three days. Um, <laughs> so my one piece of advice is you got to go along to get along, you know, go just along, agree with. Along. Yeah, you just got to go. And, you know, if the group wants to sit around and be idiots and not build a shelter, <laughs> don't tell them they're being idiots, you know, <laughs> like just sit and kumbaya with them and sing songs in the mud. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no disgruntled uh, disagreement with the group. I think being able to see where the group think is going and following along with that is a key to getting far in Survivor. Now, is it the key to winning Survivor? I think probably not. So uh, sur- this is why Survivor is hard. <laughs> so bad at it. <laughs> I I admire that. I've been I just had some body talk work therapy done and the lady was like, you're holding too much anger in your body. And I'm like, now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, I just need to be more like PG. Maybe then my sore shoulders will go away. <laughs> Let me tell you, no, I have the worst traps. I'm always going to get massaged because I am always so tense here in my shoulders. And every person who massages, they're like, oh, it's so tight. Like, they're like, it's so tight. <laughs> Kellen, I have done some stupid shit because I was angry. Let me tell you, in Cambodia, I basically screwed myself all because a man pissed me off. Okay. And so, like, my, like, all I wanted to do was vote Abby Maria off this island like I already knew that her and I were going to have issues you know it was so smart for me to vote her off and then the problem was that the people that were like hey Peach like we want you to be in our alliance they wanted to keep her and use her and then Terry Dietz who hadn't talked to me at all hadn't you know like was made it very clear like I wasn't really part of their group and then one day like I'm just kind of talking to him and he goes He's like, so look, Peach, we already have the numbers for it, um, so it doesn't matter. But I'm just going to let you know who's going as a favor to you. He was like, it's Abby Maria. Like, we're all voting. I was, And it made me he was he was like, I don't you know, he was like, we don't Oh no. What he said was we don't even need your vote. Oh, yeah. Great. It's idea what he to throw that in there. <laughs> he, he was he was like, Abby Maria's going. We don't even really need your vote. But I'm telling you as a courtesy to you, like it was it was so it felt so patronizing in the moment. And look, I think Terry's a great guy. I think just in the moment, it felt so patronizing and so kind of disrespectful um, that <laughs> I was like, oh, is she now? Um, and I basically screwed myself. You know, like I cut off my nose despite my own face just because I was <laughs> so bad. Yeah, look, I, I it's it just came out a couple of weeks ago that I talked with Dom about this because in my season, I felt like Dom was treating me that way the whole time. And now we've done a ton of work and reflected on the fact that he wasn't. And like Terry, Dom's one of my like Terry, he's an amazing guy. Dom is one of my one of my best friends. But the idea of someone coming up to you and even saying something like maybe he wasn't saying like we don't even need your vote, but to feel that when you're hungry and to have a dude come up to you and talk to you that way, like you are a woman, go sit over there. Like I did not handle it well 
at all. Um, I there was another person on my season, another guy who was extremely misogynist, and it certainly impacted my game because I couldn't put those things aside. And I don't know how you do when you're starving and you're tired of (laughs) being talked to that way (laughs) and being able to see that that's not maybe what the intention is of the person talking to you. But those of you who are about to play Survivor, come up with some deep breathing exercises for when people talk down to you because it might wreck your game. I feel, you know, I feel sorry for you new school players because back in China, like we could just go off on our own, go sit down somewhere, go take a moment, you know, breathe. And you can't even go off by yourself nowadays because if you go off alone, everyone's like, oh, they're looking for the idol. They're doing some sneaky shit, you know, and and it's almost impossible now. But back then, I'd just be like, I need to go. I need to go take a break. And you just go wander off. And it was fine, you know, for the most part. Uh, I can't. (laughs) I literally cannot imagine looking back on my experience and being able to say like, hey, I need a minute. I'm just going to go sit down by the beach by myself. That would have been such a luxury. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Look, like I'm not Miss Kumbaya. I actually had a lot of anger issues growing up. Um, And but one day I just again, it was like I kind of just realized you know, like, I, I, oh, I was a road rager. I'd be driving in my car and I'd be pissed. Somebody cut me off and I just sit there like just seething. And again, I looked at myself and I'm like, the, the, the only person who's being affected by this is you. That guy who cut you off already forgot about you like 20 minutes ago. He's, la, you know, la-di-da and going about his day and you're the one whose day is ruined. But why are you going to let this asshole ruin your day, right? Like you being angry is just letting him win even more. And, and so, you know, after that, I've, I've always, so, so now I just, I, I try to avoid putting myself in situations where I'm going to get mad because I, I know that when I do get mad, it's really not cute. And I can throw a mean old tantrum. Um, so so I, I really try. That's again, that's why I try to like keep these things out of my life and purge. Yeah, get get rid of them. If they're going to be triggers, just send them out the back door, never to come back again. Other than Survivor, although I think I, I saw that you're not a big TV person. Do you watch any other reality TV shows? I'm not a big TV person. I'm more of a reader. I like to read books. And I saw you had a note here, like, what's a book that's changed? I, I read a bunch of trashy, Love trashy it. fantasy novels. And I think that's life changing. But um, my favorite reality shows are probably like Great British Bake Off, my yes. comfort, comfort watch. <laughs> and then um, Drag Race, which I haven't watched in a while. But to me before, they were really kind of like a perfect reality show, like competition. There's heart. There's humor, you know, I just, I loved it. Those are great suggestions for best other than Survivor. Um, where is, you've done a ton of travel. I can't wait to hear your answer. Where is your favorite place in the world that listeners could visit? Oh my God, there's so many. Uh, you, can, you can pick a few. <laughs> okay, okay. So if you like city stuff, I 100% recommend Tokyo. Tokyo is like just the most crazy city it looks exactly kind of like it does in like i don't know the animes with like the neon lights it's really futuristic everybody there is so polite and it's just got an amazing mix of like old kind of japanese feel but super super modern at the same time um there's quirky little alleyways you can go down and explore and have like a drink in a bar with like two seats 
you know, up to like these giant mega shopping malls that are filled with like a ton of, you know, fast fashion and crazy stuff like that. So Tokyo is an amazing place. It's one of the cities that could go back over and over again. And it's something new and exciting every time. And then if you want something like relaxing or tropical, I would say like Copepean Island is one of my go to places. I used to go there every year by myself. And it's a tiny little island. I really like tiny little islands where like they don't even have cars on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just, you know, put your feet up on a hammock. I'm a scuba diver. So I would just go and dive every day. I'd come back, get a massage, take a nap. You can go party on CoPP. There's a lot of like little bars on the beach and they're playing music. And I would just, I don't know, have beers. And then like, like, I, by myself, I would go and like shamefully like dance, dance like I'm a teenager again um, <laughs> and go party like a maniac and nobody has to see me. Um, <laughs> but also Belize is one of my favorite places, too. So Belize, there's a tiny little island off the coast of Belize, but you can go diving there. Everybody speaks English. You don't even have to exchange the money. The water's safe to drink and they have um these pyramids that you can explore on the mainland so it's just uh, yeah those are probably my favorite places to visit cool thanks for sharing all of which none of which i've been to so adding up to my list um so no book has changed your life but what is a favorite book that you've read oh my goodness um i have I have way too many. I don't know that there's any one favorite book. Um, but for fantasy series, I guess, you know, I said Wrinkle in Time was probably one of these books that when I was younger really changed. Um, I don't know. I just love the character. I loved that. This probably had a big impact on me is that the bad thing, the great big bad thing that she's fighting against is uniformity. So mm-hmm. the bad thing, what they're what they do is they force everybody to like think the same way and everyone's bouncing a ball and jumping rope and it's all in the same beat and you know she combats this with I don't know reading poetry and like things that are like chaotic and quirky and like that was like the force of good even though technically chaos is usually an agent of evil (laughs) but anyway um (laughs) that was something that that I loved so much when I was younger and I think it's part of what I don't know why I probably live such a chaotic life now It's all from that wrinkle in time turned into all of the wrinkles in PG's life. <laughs> exactly. Um, other than Reality Escape Pod, do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to? Um, yeah. So late, well, lately, I have been listening to a lot of Good Job Brain, which I really like. It's basically, if you like pub trivia, it's a trivia podcast. So the, it's half like them asking trivia questions and then... The other half is also they'll take a subject and kind of just talk about they'll kind of do a deep dive into a weird subject. So you'll learn trivia, but you also get to play trivia questions. That's really good. There's another one called Lateral that is um, these are like puzzle podcasts. There's that that these like they give you a situation and you're trying to figure out what's actually the hidden story behind why the situation is taking place. Um, and you can only kind of ask like yes and no questions. So that's, that's, that's a really great podcast. Um, oh, I know I had an answer because I was looking at these lists of questions and you asked about a book that changed my life. So I don't have that. There was a podcast and I can't even, 
I can't even tell you the name of the podcast, but there was something I heard on a podcast that really changed my life. Um, and it was so, so I had an ex-boyfriend that forced me to go to this like weekend seminar and it's kind of a slightly cultish thing. It's called like PSI seminars, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. have you it. heard of this? They're yes. like these self-help, these self-help um, weekend seminars, right? And I got a lot of good stuff out of it, even though I think it's pretty pushy, but I was listening to that podcast and one of them had said something that I think about every day. And it was uh, the formula for happiness. He was like, if you want to know how to be happy, how to have happiness in your life, be a happy person. He was like, it's really easy. There's literally a formula. If you do these five things every day, you will be a happy person. I'll give them to you for your listeners really quickly because I found it very, very useful. Yes. I can't wait for my life to be changed. I'm taking notes. I'm telling you that this will change your life. (laughs) Okay, so the first one is do something different every day. It's not even a big thing. It could literally be drive a different route to work. It could be uh, order something different from the menu at your regular place. You know, Mm -hmm. just do something different. Uh, The second thing is take a risk. So, and we're not talking like something crazy, but you know, uh, you you want to go you know you like you're like you're trying the new sandwich that's kind of a slight risk right an unknown outcome that you're not sure of or maybe asking to network with somebody who you've really admired for send the linkedin message to somebody you've admired for a long time or exactly go up to somebody at the reality event that looks lonely and just introduce yourself you know so these are small things that you can do um number three is make a connection with someone Uh, And it doesn't have to be anything big. Again, it could just be something as simple as a hello text. Um, It could also even be checking in with yourself, right? Like Mm. making a little time to check in with yourself and see how you're doing. It it could be any and all anything in that nature. Um, Number four is do something for others. Again, Mm. something something small. Um, It could send a compliment. Tell someone you like their shoes. It's one of my favorite things to do is to just a random person when I'm out be like, I really like your outfit or you look beautiful today. And it's shocking. I think a lot of times people just like feel like shocked at first and then like a wave of gratitude and like really puts a pep in someone's steps. So go out and give someone a compliment. (laughs) <laughs> and and if you give that was actually my example, if you give somebody a compliment, you've probably already covered the top four. You've done something that maybe you don't normally do. You've taken a slight risk. You've you've made a connection with somebody and you've done something nice for somebody. Right. Cheat so codes. You, exactly. <laughs> so that's already covered all of that. And the number of, I forgot, I actually forgot what number five is, but I would say that it's learning something new, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it, it could be like trying a new recipe. You know, if like I like to do like knitting or art, I always try to pick up a project that has a new stitch, Um, you know, things like that. And here's the thing, too, is what I realized after having the podcast on escape rooms and gaming and also what I learned from having a dog is that like with training the dog, uh, learning stimulates the same place in your brain as having fun to your Mm. brain. Learning and having fun are actually kind of the same thing. Right. That's like when you're playing video games, you want to go to the next level because you're like, well, I've already done everything here. Right. There's nothing left to do. You want to explore something new. Um, And so if you do all those things, you will have a happy life. And what really drove this home was when they talked about if you look at the inverse of it, uh, do something different. Well, if you don't do that, you're you're doing the same thing every day. 
mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't take risks, then you're 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 always playing it safe. It's a little, you know, you're just always playing it safe. It's kind of boring. If you don't make connections, you're just kind of isolated. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you don't want to live a life where you're always selfish and only doing things for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you're not learning anything new, you're just going to be staying in that rut you know, uh, and missing out on the world because the yeah. world is changing. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, so I, I think, well, and, and of course having gratitude for the small things, mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. one of it, but those are like, like, like when I heard this podcast and this person was talking about this and I, and, and he talked about it, it doesn't have to be anything mind blowing. He was like, even those little small things, if you do these things every day, it all kind of adds up. Um, and it also helps you you know, and, and it's about doing these things with intentionality, right? And like knowing, like recognizing why you're doing it and what it's adding to your life. And that really like made a difference for me and it helped me see and appreciate the small things I do in this way, like just another grain of sand you're adding to like your happiness pile. Yeah, into the joy, moving the marbles <laughs> into the joy jar instead of the staying the same. Those are all great things. I love it. It feels doable too. Because you can tiptoe. It could just be like, okay, I'm going to get grocery. I'm going to get grapes at the grocery store instead of bananas today. Like you can practice with just doing very inward things. That are, it's uh, a small things. win. Yeah, it's Honestly, a small win. Yeah. if you go through your life celebrating the small wins and you're like, well, I checked off, you know, that the checklist that PG had, the formula, like I did this small thing. And then you feel like you, you, you got a little small win in and and that helps too. like, you know, you want to fill up your progress bar, right? <laughs> and maybe just maybe when you look back into that section of your life, you will look upon it as it being full of happiness and remember the good times because you are taking note of them along the way, I think yeah. is what you're teaching us possibly from, uh, from back at the beginning <laughs> when you said, when I look back on my life, like, you know, things were banging, like I was happy. <laughs> you were taking note along the way and being intentional about how you were living each day. I'm going to tell you one other thing that now, see, now you got me thinking about this. I'm going to tell you one other thing that really also Please. made a big difference in how I see the world. And it was this story I read about this study that they did on people who feel lucky. Do you consider yourself a lucky person or an unlucky person? Now my mm. whole life, I always thought of myself as a lucky person, you know, and this has helped me get through a lot of things. I have this unshakable faith that you are going to get through this PG. It won't matter. It will end up. Okay. Everything will be okay. Like I've always just thought I was lucky, you know, but in this study, what they did was, um, you know, so they asked people all these questions. One of the questions they asked was, do you feel lucky or like they're an unlucky person? And then they put them in a waiting room. And that was literally it. Now, this is the actual study, right? Um, and in this waiting room, they had like, I think a newspaper. And in the newspaper is a little square that says, if you read this square, if you find it, bring this newspaper to the receptionist and you will get $100. And that was literally it. And so what they found was that the people who considered themselves to be lucky people, by and large, were the ones who found this newspaper brought it up to the receptionist and got a hundred dollars out of it, you know? (laughs) And so part of what they kind of found was that the the correlation between the people who are lucky, it may not be luck. It may be more that you are more observant of your surroundings. You take note, you're curious about the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So you explored the room, you found these newspapers uh, and you took action, right? So when you saw this opportunity and you brought it up, and so that really changed 
a lot about how I see the world and not about relying on, oh, I'm a lucky person or, oh, it's fate. And it made Mm. me realize it's it's again, it comes back to you. Right. And how you are maneuvering through the world. Like, are you going to be curious? Are you going to follow the things that that interest you? Are you you going to explore your surroundings? And when you do that, you create opportunity for yourself, right? And you never know how they're going to come up, but a lot of people attribute it to luck and it's, and it's not, you know, knowing that luck is or fate is something that you can control made a big difference in my life. I, I, that is amazing and super helpful. And I would like to add (laughs) one thing for some reason that I just got told this, uh, I was working with a new therapist yesterday and, um, they said that the, opportunity to train to use they didn't want to use positive affirmations I get that but that you can train your brain to believe things that you don't believe now just by repetition 1000 percent person listening and you're like well yeah but PG just said that you think you're a lucky person you've thought that your whole life I think I'm an unlucky person so that's never going to change my therapist told me that you can say to yourself I am lucky over and over again every day, put it on a post-it note. And even if for the first 30 days you think it's bullshit, eventually the I am lucky, your brain will be trained to believe it. So even if you're sitting here listening to this thinking I'm not lucky, put it on a post-it, look at it every day, say it in your brain, and you don't even have to believe yourself to make it come true. You got to fake it until you make it, man. And it yeah. and it will change the world. Like that story I told about being on the boat, I was still probably unhappy, but I was like forcing myself to go through the motions. Yeah. Right. But as you're going through the motions, other people notice that you're, oh, like, you know, and, and then they react positively to you. And then it now now you're reinforcing that idea, you know, that that you thought was fake. But it's and then eventually you really do become happy because people will react to that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. (laughs) We're going to stick with this. We're going to repeat our mantra. I am lucky every day moving forward and go through our uh, five keys to happiness with PG. Um, Is there any songs and music that you listen to that gets you in this uh, really great mood or just a song you love? Oh, my God. I'm I'm a terrible song person. I'll just hear one song that gets in my head. Um, Actually, the song that I have lately is so it's not like a one that gets me going, but it's um, the Sometimes I'm Alone cat song. Have you heard this thing? (laughs) No, no. It's so stupid. So basically on TikTok, um, there's this cat that's like talking and this guy made a song out of it. And it's called Sometimes I'm Alone. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm alone. Hello? <laughs> That's literally <laughs> the entire song. <laughs> and I, it's so good. <laughs> that got me. That got me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just, I've just been listening to it on repeat. I live with my sister. She was like, are you listening to that again? <laughs> oh. oh, hello. Um, well, when people go to Google some. So, sometimes I'm a cat or sometimes I'm alone. What's sometimes I'm it? alone. It is okay. on Spotify. You can listen to okay. it on Spotify now, but I highly recommend you watch the video. It's one of these 
collaborative videos where like somebody saw the video of the cat singing and then he like started playing guitar. Somebody saw that video and added drums to, you know what I mean? And it, I like, see like it create, it's like created by multiple people and then has come out to this thing. So while you go to TikTok to look up, sometimes I'm alone, where can people find you? <laughs> Um, I am at PG pretty much everywhere on Twitter, on Instagram. You can check out my podcast. It's called Reality Escape Pod. That's available everywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, all of that. We have had Survivor guests on there. We interviewed LaRue Botha, who is the executive producer of Survivor South Africa, who gave us a lot of cool behind the scenes stuff. We've had like um, Gabby came on. I've had Miles Nye, who was a challenge designer, a challenge consultant. He's come on and talked to us. We had um, Neil Patrick Harris came on too, which is so awesome. We talked about his game box one. He also came to, uh, he gave the opening talk at our convention, which has been really cool. So he's been a really big supporter of our work and everything that we do. So yeah, Ooh, definitely. Great uh, es escape room crossover with survivor stuff. So lots, I sounds fascinating to me. <laughs> and you talk with Dino from South Africa Dino. as well, right? Yes. Yes. We talked to Dino, Dino Paulo um, from survivor South Africa. And he, cause he is an escape room owner and he told us some really, really great stories about just his business and struggles that he had going through there. He's actually going to be one of the speakers at our virtual recon as well. So you could hear from him again there, but um, shout out Dino. He's actually a online friend of mine. So he's in my online poker league. So he's, I think he's been listening to the podcast. So, Hey Dino. Hi Dino. Dino's a sweetheart. And he is one of those people that also have imposter syndrome and like, so humble. And I'm like, you're literally one of like the best people in the world. He's so sweet. Uh, so nice. So funny and interesting. And like, he's so charismatic. One of the most mm -hmm. likable people I've ever met, um, which is, you know, everybody got imposter syndrome. Let me tell you, like when I spoke on stage at this big thing and I was feeling so nervous and then like two presenters in a row ahead of me went on stage and were like, I'm feeling really big imposter syndrome right now. Like literally said the things that I was thinking in my head, you know, about sharing the stage with these people. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, everyone feels this way. It's fine. Like <laughs> everyone feels this way. Everybody feels less than and we're all we all can do things that you can't imagine we, when people say like I don't know how you did survivor I could never do that and it's like yeah I also could never do that and then I did it like at the you know at the beginning of every challenge you're like looking up like you said you walked in and looked at it and you're like I can't do this and then you won it's just your your body can do and your brain can do so much more than our egos or whatever it is of our psyche tells us oh like we can just do so much more I was so intimidated, like looking at these people, they're like six feet tall, they're huge, like they're all athletic. <laughs> but I'm like a chihuahua, you know, <laughs> get in there. <laughs> and you did it. And, and they should have been intimidated by you. <laughs> you know, fake it till you make it. Well, PG, I have adored spending this time with you this afternoon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and all the things you do. We didn't even talk about some of your main career things that we, we you have going on with your jewelry business and all this stuff, but it has been wonderful. Thank you for making time and talking about your true self. I really, really appreciate it. And I've really enjoyed today. 
Oh, I super appreciate you. Thank you so much. This is a great series. It's such a good idea. And thank you for giving us a platform to share our voice. Okay, everybody. I don't know about you all, but I had such a blast talking with PG and her life advice and just the way that she learned how to shift her mentality to believe in the best, live glass half full. I was just so impressed. And I'm going to take a lot of lessons out of this conversation. Also, the day after recording with PG, I happened to be going to a casino with a friend. I'm not making this up. Whole truth, nothing but the truth. We went to Firekeepers in Michigan and I walked in and I was thinking of PG and I was like, I am lucky. I am lucky. I am lucky. And wouldn't you know, I turned $200 into $425 playing blackjack that day. So get out your post-its, say I am lucky, I am lucky, and go to the casino. Just kidding. (laughs) But I thought it was great advice to believe that you're lucky and maybe you will be. I'll leave that there. And if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Halfway through season one of Road to Reality. If you are enjoying this podcast, the best thing you can do is rate, review, and share an episode with a friend, post on social media, tag me in it. I will reshare. I love to see people tagging anything that they like about this season. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. I'd like to thank Rob Sesternino, Scott St. Pierre, and the entire RJP crew for helping make this dream come true. Jillian Goodhart is the editor. Tricky Rice, thank you for the artwork. To all my guests, thank you for your time, honesty, bravery, and vulnerability. I'm thankful from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to my dear friend from Survivor Ghost Island, Jacob Derwin, for allowing us to use his song, Mirror from Manhattan. One of my favorite songs of all time and one I played on repeat for an entire year while I recovered from my own survivor journey. To you, the listeners who have made it this far, thank you for giving me and these multifaceted guests time in your ears as our whole selves. May each of your realities lead you down a road of peace, joy, community, and a whole lot of adventure. And now here's Jacob Derwin with Mira from Manhattan. Mira from Manhattan Her name is Chelsea from Chelsea Her name is Krista from Columbus It doesn't matter much to me Now she's staring out the window She's turning on the night takes a pen to her new novel and the airplane takes flight Mm, I never knew Mm, I never knew Mm, I never knew Mm, I never knew
were flying out to Dublin Just to stop along the trail Mira hops from there to Paris I ride to Belfast on the rail Now she's cheering in the winery I'm staring at the sea Her name is Mira from Manhattan It doesn't matter much to me mm, I never knew mm, I never knew mm, I never knew a podcast can you even believe it i can't